You're listening to Fan Holes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. I have clinical. You guys are like wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's <laughs> going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those that? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. <laughs> I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. I, uh, we are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman! <laughs> it is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> We do a podcast? What the fuck? So good to see you, Charles. Welcome back to Muir Island. Thank you, Moira. Oh, this is my fiancé, Sean Cassidy. Moira's told me a great deal about ye, Mr. Xavier. How fortunate. Did Moira also tell you that she enjoys listening to Fan Hole's podcast, the pop culture podcast made for fans by fans? <gasps> Charles, how could you? <gasps> Moira, I thought you were a nice proper lass. Ho ho ho, you'd be wrong there, my friend. Moira is a naughty, naughty girl. I've heard enough from you, Xavier. I'll knock the wax from your ears with me sonic scream. Like the singing of the angels. Hey guys, welcome back to another exciting, stupendous episode of the Fan Holes Podcast. Tonight we've got a special episode for you guys. We're going to be discussing some of the new Marvel Now releases. If you don't know what Marvel Now is, I guess it's an initiative by Marvel. It's kind of like their counter, their answer to DC's New 52. And uh, they have a number of titles that are either rebranded with the Marvel Now logo. But a lot of the titles started over from issue number one. And we're going to be covering uh, several titles. Good Lord. Look at all these comical booklets. Justin has been reading a lot of the Marvel Now titles, so he ended up recommending most of the titles to read to the various fan holes. Uh, with the exception of myself, I read the first issue of X-Men Legacy, so I recommended that to Mike. Um, but uh, Justin ended up recommending uh, several titles to the rest of the fan holes. Um, Tony was recommended The Savage Wolverine, uh, Brian was recommended to read The Superior Spider-Man, and Justin recommended that I read Thor God of Thunder. So I guess I'll just go down the Skype list here that I have in front of me, and uh, the first person I have is uh, Legion's Gnarly Fro staring at me. <laughs> so that means we're gonna go with uh, we're gonna go with Mike. And uh, of course, I already mentioned that we, uh, you know, that I recommended that he check out uh, X Men Legacy. Um, X Men Legacy is basically uh, it, it, it's kind of a twist on the original title. I guess the you know the original title where it was in the hundreds was a 
a renaming of one of the, uh, I think, it, wasn't that originally the 90s X-Men book that was just adjectiveless or whatever? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so it got renamed New X-Men, and then it got renamed X-Men, and then it got renamed X-Men Legacy. And I know for a while it was kind of featuring, like, Professor X and Rogue and different, you know, characters as it, you know, kind of covered different errors of X-Men Legacy. But this is kind of like a tweak on the name. You know, it, it kind of handles... Charles Xavier's son, David Holler, who is also known to most X-Men fans as Legion, the guy with the crazy hair. And um, so in that sense, you know, it's kind of like he's a legacy of Professor Xavier. And uh, that's pretty much that. Um, I know the the, uh, writing team is uh, Simon uh, Spurrier. And then I guess the first issue was done by uh, Tang and Huat. And uh, and then I guess Jorge Molina did some of the other art in some of the subsequent issues. But I guess I'll turn it over to Mike. I mean, I mean, what did you think of the issues that you read? And uh, I guess let everybody know uh, what your thoughts were on uh, X Men Legacy. Well, Legion is a character I'm not very familiar with. Um, I don't actually think I've ever read anything that's like really like featured him in like any sort of like significant role. Like, I mean, when I kind of read him when he's in like big events and stuff, like most recently, like Second Coming, when he showed up in that briefly and stuff. But like, I've I've never read like where did he primarily show up? Like New Mutants or yeah, uh, yeah. I would say so. Okay, so I've never really read any of those appearances, so, like, Legion is kind of a character that I'm, like, totally unfamiliar with. So, you know, and, you know, I'm I'm pretty familiar with the concept of, like, you know, one of Professor X's, like, you know, children who turns out to be wacky or evil. Like, they seem to go back to that a lot, like, whether it be Legion or, you know, trying to, like, make it, like, in, like, the Ultimate Universe, like, Proteus was, like, made into, like, Professor X's son, and, you know, stuff like that. But, um, I, I don't know. Like, the, it was okay, but it was really, like, confusing at first. Like, um, I guess, like, Legion, like, Legion obviously is, like, an Omega-level mutant, and he has, like, all, like, like, thousands and thousands of personalities and stuff, and, like, each personality has, like, a certain, like, mutant power, and he can, like, you know, rotate between all these powers and stuff, but, like, the the result is that, like, his head is a complete mess, because he's got, like, these thousands of personalities running around in it, and, like, he's, like, trying to, like, he, the book starts off with him, like, I guess at some kind of sort of like monastery or or sort of like uh, I don't know like sanctuary where like this guy is like trying to help him get all his personalities in order and like you know getting like giving him trying to get him to have like control over that and then like he feels like the shockwave felt like when Professor X dies and he starts to like lose control again and then like you know it kind of fast forwards around uh, around and like he goes on like a little adventure and then like the X-Men show up and he meets like these two like psychic uh, mutant kids, and he, like, feels like he has to protect them, and I don't know, but, like, it was really, like, scattershot, I guess is the best word to, like, describe it, like, I, like, it opens, like, the whole book opens up, like, in Legion's head, and I'm like, where, where is this supposed to be? I was like, is this on an alien planet? Like, what, what is this? And, like, I very, like, like, eventually I caught on, I was like, oh, this is supposed to be inside Legion's head, but, you know, at first it was like, what is this, like, totally unrelated stuff that I have no idea what's happening, or whatever, but, um, 
I don't know. Eventually, like, I got, like, by the third or fourth issue, I was like, okay, I'm kind of, like, following this now. And, you know, the X-Men showed up, and Wolverine's like, you know, do what I tell you to do. And Legion's like, stuff it up your ass, and, you know, whatever. <laughs> hey, you, you, gotta, you gotta love a book where Legion uh, bitch smacks Wolverine around. Yeah, and... yeah, that was pretty funny, too. And, uh, you know, most of the, like, you know... The X-Men show up, and Legion has a different idea than them on how to handle this situation, and of course they end up fighting, and you know, and um, I, I I thought it was nice that uh, like Blindfold, which is like uh, like one of the like stu- I think did Whedon create her, or was she in like the X-Men Academy books that Yost wrote? I think Yost created her because I thought okay. I thought she was part of the. I, I know she was in the Young X-Men book for sure. Um, but I don't remember if she, I, I don't, I think she might've been in that new X-Men Academy book too, but I'm pretty sure Christopher Yost created her, I think. Okay. I say. Yeah. Well, in whatever case, people might know her as the little mutant girl with no eyes. She like wears the blindfold everywhere and she, I guess she can see the future in, in spurts and she has like some kind of psychic powers, but um, in any case, she's she's kind of made into, like, a sort of supporting character for Legion, and I thought that was kind of cool, because I'd never really, like... I, I always thought she was kind of, like, like had an interesting kind of presence and stuff, so I, I felt she would be, like, a good, like, kind of foil for Legion and stuff, or a good, like, potential, like, supporting castmate or whatever, so I guess they're going with that, so that's kind of nice, but... Uh, otherwise, you know, I was just kind of like, I don't think I'm going to, like, follow it or anything, but I was just kind of like, you know, this is just not, like, I'm not going to say it was bad, but it, it certainly wasn't really for me, I guess. Yeah, yeah that's fair enough. I, I, I kind of tended to think of it kind of like, it reads to me kind of like a Vertigo book, so if you're if you're into that kind of thing, um, you know, it kind of reminds me of books like, you know, something like Hellraiser or something, but also all, in terms of Marvel-type comics, it kind of reminded me of, uh, you know, Warren Ellis's run on X-Man, like, towards the end, where he was kind of like the whole shaman guy or whatever, you know, it's like, it, it just felt like, if you're if you're into that sort of thing, you know, because he obviously has a lot of powers, you know, somebody like Brian who just read the Morrison Doom Patrol, you know, he's kind of got the same power set as Crazy Jane, basically, you know, like, so it's like he's got all these different powers and how to access them and stuff like that. So, I mean, in terms of that, like, I, I thought it was pretty entertaining, but... Um, you know, like like I said, I guess your mileage may vary. You know, so. But one one thing I was gonna say is, uh, like I know I know he's he's kind of supposed to be like what like Scottish, like what, what is he exactly supposed to be like uh, English yeah, yeah. or Scottish or he, yeah he, I don't it's, it's his child with Moira McTaggart so. Yeah, he is supposed to be Scottish. Is it is it with Moira or is it with uh, that other girl? Um, I forgot that her, her girl, the uh, um, Amelia. No, um, I thought, I thought, damn it! I, I thought Moira's son was Proteus. Yeah, oh, Moira's maybe, son. Maybe I'm confusing it then. I thought. I oh, um, um, uh, what's her name? What's what's Legion's last name? Oh, oh Haller. So it's like Gabby, yeah, Gabby yeah. Haller or whatever her name is. Yeah. Oh yeah, she she was that girl that like him and Magneto rescued from like the Nazis or whatever yeah, back in like the eighties okay. or whatever. So yeah, okay. my bad, I, I messed that up. It's understandable okay, though, well. Derek, because both Proteus and Legion have the whole reality warping powers. Yeah, and and like I said, in Ultimate like comics, that's pretty, they just made Proteus like 
Professor X's son. So, <laughs> but um, I was gonna say like it, it was almost like every single time he talked, they were trying to like remind you that like oh he's Scottish, like he has to say oh it's a wee little thing or I've got a bloody something or it's like every single like dialogue he had to say something like you know Scottish or something. So <laughs> he was just like I was like hello Batman. <laughs> Yeah, it was like, enough already, I get it, he's Scottish, or, you know, he's not American, I get it, you know, but, yeah, I don't know, that's just something that kind of leaped out at me. Did it have, like, good art and stuff? Yeah, the art was pretty good. Like I, like I said, it could have been a lot clearer, though. Like, like the art didn't help in that. Matt. Like, the way, like, they imagine his, like, mindscape is, like, a big jail. And, like, there's one, like, jailer, like, keeping all the personalities in, like, these thousands and thousands of cells. And then, like, it's sort of, like, his mind, like, he gets, like, all, like, flustered. And then, like, there's, like, a jail, a uh, quote-unquote, like, jailbreak in his head. And, like, there's, a, like, a riot in his head and stuff. And, like, it gets really confusing. But. See, after the Age of X crossover, like, uh, like that was mostly due to, like, uh, Legion 2, but uh, Dr. Nemesis was, like, working with him. Like, he was, like, going into his head and, like, eliminating a lot of these personalities. So it's kind of like... It, it yeah, kind of goes right. at odds yeah. with that. I was like, well, I guess he didn't eliminate them all, or, like, they came back or something. Yeah, I remember reading that, too. Like I said, like, I, I don't... I don't I, Legion is not someone like I know that well, so and it's like it's hard to written as being pretty much nutballs. Yeah, it's like hard to like judge him like by just what's in this book, but but anyway, yeah, that's my two cents on it. Okay, so we we got some uh, got got a faint praise for for X Men Legacy. Um, so we'll we'll I guess we'll move on to uh, who's. Uh, uh, well, I guess it's funny. Who's next on my screen is Justin, who assigned us everything. Um, so I guess Justin will just pipe in, you know, uh, whenever we discuss the various titles. But Justin actually assigned me uh, Thor, God of Thunder. So I guess I could go into my, my thoughts on that. Um, uh, Thor, God of Thunder uh, is written by Jason Aaron, and it's got art by uh, Asad uh, Ribic. I think I'm saying that right. It's Croatian, so I have no idea. Um, maybe it's Esad. I don't know. Um, uh, but huh? Rebeck. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't. I'm not sure of the pronunciation. Um, Jason Aaron's a guy, a writer who I kind of have a, a you know you either love it or hate it type thing with him. Like I, I know I really hated his run on Ghost Rider, um, but I, I have to admit I've enjoyed. Uh, I've been enjoying Wolverine and the X Men. Um, I've been, uh, I'm trying to think of other stuff. I, I like the run he did on the Punisher, the, the Max thing, you know, so it's like, there's, there's things that he's written where I've been like, Hey, this is, this is pretty good too. So I, I guess I, you know, sometimes I can kind of take them or leave them. So I wasn't sure what I was going to think of, uh, Thor. Um, but, but, uh, Esad, the, the artist, he's the, the same guy. If you guys have ever seen the Thor motion comic or read the Loki miniseries, He's the same guy who did the artwork on that. So I, I think it's a really nice-looking book. You know, like, Thor looks really cool. And uh, the, the kind of basic setup uh, that Jason Aaron is running with is, uh, you know, there's a new big 90s bad who's a god killer, you know, and that's kind of like some secret dark 
past uh, encounter that Thor had way back in, uh, you know, Iceland or whatever with all his Viking buddies, you know, way back in the BC era. And uh, they kind of go with three different eras of Thor where they're dealing with, you know, kind of the young pup who is not yet wielding Mjolnir, you know, who's kind of, you know, running around on Earth and kind of, you know, hanging out with Vikings and going on adventures and quests and things like that. And then you kind of deal with the modern, I guess, you know, Marvel now, you know, current Thor, who's, you know, hanging with uh, spacesuit, you know, black and gold Iron Man and all that kind of stuff. And then you're actually dealing with kind of like future Thor, you know, set like, you know, millions of years in the future or whatever, where he's the last living god on Asgard, basically. And he kind of, you know, he kind of has a very Odin vibe. You know, he's he's missing an eye and he's, uh, you know, missing an arm or whatever. And he's running around, you know, like kind of just, you know, slumped over on his throne. And basically everybody else has been kind of killed off by this god killer, basically. Um, and so the whole storyline is kind of, you know, him, you know, you, you kind of slowly get the reveals of, of how he first met, uh, you know, the god killer and, and, and how that's affected him through the course of the modern age and then also in the future. And so I guess uh, it, the arc's almost over with, but, uh, you know, it seems like they've kind of caught up with the, the modern Thor is caught up with the future Thor at this point where he's trying to follow him and, and the god killer kind of has this weird uh, you know, machination where he's basically using the blood of all these, uh, you know, kind of time gods to sort of go back in time to like the dawn of creation to wipe out like a whole bunch of gods and different things like that. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting. Like I enjoyed the story. I was happy with it. I'm glad Justin suggested it to me. Mm -hmm. um, I think, I think because I was, uh, this is going to be kind of funny or meta contextual because uh, not everybody's going to know what I'm talking about here, but you guys will all know. Um, I was on Facebook before I read this, and, um, you know, when you're on Facebook, you kind of get inundated with posts from certain types of people, and sometimes you can tell, you know, you can just tell the type of person they are. You know, sometimes people, you know, I, I kind of use it primarily as a promotional tool. You know, I like to promote our podcast. I like to promote my history of comics on film videos, things like that. But I, I don't get too political with it. I don't get too personal with it. You know, I don't kind of use it as an advertisement for, you know, what did I just eat 10 minutes ago and things like that. And, there, you know, some people like to use it for games. I guess, you know, it's a social thing, so people use it for different things. But um, uh, a certain poster we all know on Bot Talk um, is quite fond of uh, uh, posting everything about atheism. And uh, I guess, he's, you know, he's a self-proclaimed atheist, I guess, because I, I was reading like 20 posts in a row, you know, about different things about atheism. And I don't, I don't really have a big, strong opinion of it one way or the other. But, um, you know, or maybe I do. I, I don't know. I think I think it's kind of a bit much. But, you know, it's kind of like one of those things where, you know, it's like, oh, you know, being an atheist is like being the designated driver in a car full of drunk people and they won't let you drive. You know, like it's just things that are like posted. And so I guess I had seen like 20 of these posts in a row, you know, from the same guy or whatever. And what was funny was reading this. I was kind of like, oh, it seemed like it was a commentary on that almost, or maybe I was reading too much into it, but it's like, you've got this God killer, you know, killing all these gods off, you know, and it's like, what are you left with? You know, like just sort of atheism or whatever. And, and I think it's kind of interesting because the God concept kind of 
is elevated to not just, you know, like gods of earth, but, you know, they talk about scroll gods and Cree gods and, you know, basically gods of the solar system. And there's this little girl who basically is like, ah, we haven't seen any rain in, you know, uh, a really long time. And if we don't get any rain, we won't have any crops and we're all going to die and all this other stuff. And, you know, she's like, please, Thor, you know, I know you're the man, so come give us some rain. And he hears her prayer in the opening and basically makes it rain and everything. And and that's how it starts the whole God killer storyline, because he's kind of like, well, where are your gods, dude? Like, I'm glad you, you know, I heard her prayer and all this other stuff. But doesn't she have like her own? you know, interstellar gods to worship or whatever. Like, what happened to those gods? And basically he discovers them all butchered, and then it kind of triggers that memory of his first encounter with the guy back in Iceland, way back in the B.C. era and all this kind of stuff. But it, it just made me think a lot about those those ideas, you know, like where, you know, the, there's a point where the guys like, uh, the, some of the other aliens are like, uh, you know, yeah, uh, you know, we, we just thought the Rainbow Bridge and all that stuff were just, you know, pipe stories you told children and Thor's kind of like you know if 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 I was a little younger I probably would have fucking just killed you for saying that uh, that all this stuff is bullshit that I just told you you know like I that I made up all this these stories about you know the rainbow bridge and the wars I've been in and all that kind of stuff you know like he's like there are really flying goats on a chariot you know like and all this kind of stuff and you're like Come on, motherfucker. Didn't you read Walt Simonson's run on Thor? I tire of these geeks. Anyway, you know, it just it made me think about those things and I thought it was no, kind of interesting. Happen. You saw it happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, for all for all the naysayers out there, I, I just thought it was kind of interesting and uh, I enjoyed reading it. I'm kind of I probably will will continue to to follow it now, um, at least to the end of this, you know, uh, God Slayer arc, because I'm curious how it all wraps up and everything. So. Anyway, I appreciate the suggestion. I thought it was a pretty good book. Um, the art's great if you like that. Uh, you know, like I said, if you're familiar with that Marvel motion comic or the Loki miniseries, it's uh, really superb-looking art and everything and really distinct styles for the three different versions of Thor. And apparently uh, uh, Aaron said he's going to keep incorporating that into the book as it continues, so I, I find that kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, that sounds so. really cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I I thought it was neat. I mean, it's kind of weird for me though to picture Thor like throwing dollar bills at a little girl. <laughs> make it rain, make it rain. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, well, since since you piped up, I, I guess we can we can go to you, Brian. Um, you were assigned uh, Superior Spider-Man, so uh, I know I think all of us have been jonesing to talk about. I guess Amazing Spider-Man 700, the events of that uh, for a while, and I guess you know Superior Spider-Man is the the uh, quote unquote logical follow-up to it. So uh, so I guess let's have at it. I mean, it's Dan Slott and um, who's doing the art on that? I'm trying to remember. Uh, Ryan Ryan, Ryan Stegman. Okay. So so I guess you know uh, you know obviously I guess I, I should have mentioned it in the intro, but you know come on spoilers. I mean hello like we're we're talking about comics so. What do you want from us? But um, anyway, uh, Superior Spider-Man, Doc Ock is in Peter Parker's body and living the Peter Parker life. And I guess that's the kind of the basic setup of it, pretty much, except for for all the hype they made over Amazing Spider-Man 700 being like, oh, Peter Parker dies or whatever, and Doc Ock takes over his body. Uh, you can clearly see from issue one till the current issue, you know, there's kind of like a little 
ghost of Peter that is kind of guiding, uh, you know, Doc's more questionable moral choices in the body, you know, so it, you know, you kind of figure it's only a matter of time before the ghost finally, you know, reasserts his control and starts working out so it doesn't look like uh, Spider-Man's been eating 200 Twinkies and all that kind of stuff. But um, what, what did you, uh, what did you think, Brian? Well, it was kind of interesting that I got to sign this. I figured it's something that I would read eventually, so I wasn't exactly looking forward to it. Um, you know, of course, the events of issue 700 was pretty big news, and I'd say it, probably the majority of people thought it was pretty, pretty bad plotline. Um, and as one of those people, I was just kind of like, "Ugh, this is so stupid." So, anyways, when I was assigned it, I just started thinking, you know, it's been like the last few years have been really hard for Spider-Man fans. Because we've had to put up with, like, you know, such bad, like, stories. You know, deals with devils and trading hot supermodel wives for 80-year-old ants. Whatever. <laughs> so I, I wasn't exactly looking forward to reading this. But then once I started, you know, I was a little bit surprised. Like, you know, I was laughing again. Um, it was kind of cool to see, you know, Spider-Man working smarter, not harder, you know. Like, with Doc Ock in control, he's, like, definitely relying a lot more on his gadgets to get things done. And has a more um, pragmatic approach, where Spider-Man's kind of emotional and does, you know, the hero thing. Doc Ock seems to focus more on, you know, saving the most amount of people and using resources to really, um, you know, make him the superior Spider-Man to prove that he can do a better job than Peter Parker. So I was surprised. I was really enjoying it. And then all of a sudden, I get to the part where um, Doc Ock basically masturbates to memory, Peter's memories of Mary Jane. So uh, I went from, from you know, ranking. kind of like, oh, this isn't so bad to like, oh, my gosh, this is, you know, here, here it is. It's, it's crap again. If you keep something as complicated as love stored up inside, it can make you sick. That, that happened like in issue two or three out of the five I read. So from the, then on, it was kind of like back and forth where, you know, I'd get kind of into it and then something really off the wall or weird would happen. And I'd be like, oh, that's really stupid. You know, it kind of seems weird that J. Jonah like completely falls in love with Spider-Man like, like, like within an issue, like so, to the point where he's like, you know, putting up spider signals so he can get in contact with them and stuff like that. Um, I felt like that was like such a like just a... Uh... A cheese ball slam at Batman, like, and I'm not not that I I wouldn't be like, oh, let's slam Batman, yippee or whatever, but I I don't know, it just seemed like it was like a pot shot, you know, like where I was like, oh, you know, there's plenty of things that are stupid about comic books or or, or silly conventions of comic books in general, but it's like it's like one of those things where it's like, hey, look at me, I've got glasses, you don't recognize me, Durr. it just <laughs> seems like it's like too easy a pot shot where it's just yeah. like. Hey, I've got a spider signal. Uh, don't you realize that would announce to everyone where I am? It was a test, Jonah, you know, or whatever. You know, <laughs> you're just kind of like, oh, okay. You know, like, I thought that was kind of hokey. But um, it's interesting that you mentioned, like, the second issue, because I think, for me, I wasn't, like, all that into it until the third issue. Like, I kind of enjoyed how they reversed the dynamic, whereas, like, Auk had all this access to Peter's memories. I, I found myself more interested in when Peter kind of was researching Ox memories about, you know, his relationship with Adrian Toomes and all that kind of stuff and how you got a little more insight into Dr. Octopus where he, you know, he basically was, you know, they're like, oh, he got slapped around as a kid, so he doesn't like seeing Toomes, like, you know, basically make him punch kids and 
yeah. use these little kids as his henchmen and stuff like that. So I, I found that a little interesting. You know, even if you, you know, I suppose if you think about it too much, you'd be like, well, doesn't he realize Tombs is a fucking creepy fuck or whatever? Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I don't know. Like, that's, I, I found that a little more entertaining or whatever And kind of once I got past the first two issues and stuff. Well, to be honest, once you get over, like, the revulsion of what's happened, like, that was one thing I thought was kind of cool just because of, like, the eventual payoff that could come from that, you know? Like, Peter having access to all Doc Ock's memories. Like, yeah. that could set up a really interesting story down the road. So that was one thing I didn't mind seeing. Um, the art was great throughout. I think issue five was a different artist. I don't know. Like, the art changed, but um, uh, both artists were really good on all the books I read. And I guess, um, like, for an overall opinion, I probably enjoyed it a little bit more than I thought I I would, to be honest. You know, like, you know, there's things that bugged me, but, you know, I was laughing again, which has been, you know, that's been a while since I've done that with an Amazing Spider-Man book. So that was good to have back. The art was good, you know. So, you know, I mean, mean, if if I had the chance to um, read more, you know, I definitely would. Um, So I guess I'm thankful that, you know, is recommended for me because uh, it's something I was hesitant to, hesitant to read, but I'm glad I did. But yeah, I'd love to hear everyone else's opinions on it because you know, I know this is kind of a, a big deal and a big change for Spider-Man, and we haven't really got to talk about it a whole lot. Yeah, like what about I know I know Justin's kind of the the master of uh, ceremonies here. He's kind of doing most of the assignments, as it were. But uh, I know you were kind of jonesing to your own thoughts on like amazing 700 and and maybe superior spider-man i mean what do you do you echo brian's sentiments like did you end up liking it more than you thought you would or do you like absolutely hate it like what do you think of it um i'm kind of in the same boat as brian like i absolutely hated 700 like i thought it was like the worst garbage i've read in a long time um (laughs) So you're Don't probably thinking, <laughs> yeah. So you're probably thinking like, well, why would I continue to read something that I obviously hate? You know, that's like the that's like the ultimate curse of like a comic book reader or whatever. But um, Superior Spider-Man, yeah, it's been it's been kind of hit or miss. Like, I was I said to myself, I was like, okay, if like Doc Ock manages to like, you know, trick Mary Jane and sleep with her, like I'm going to be done like i'm not going to read any more of this because that's like that's getting into some weird like you know rapey territory that i don't want to like go to but thankfully they went to another direction and um it's been like it's like brian said it's like it kind of makes you laugh but then it's like it does a lot of stupid and irritating stuff that like, you just kind of like groan and you know the past few issues they've like they've killed off dr kafka um i know mike has like <laughs> stronger opinions about that than i do but yeah, it's been it's been kind of a mixed bag. Like I'm not gonna say like I think it's a, a great book, but it's I don't know. It's like an interesting train wreck that I can't stop reading for some reason. I guess <laughs> the art is really good. Like I'll, I'll give it that. Like I really enjoy the art. Um, I think it is interesting to see more of like Doctor Octopus's childhood and background and stuff. Like um, I think it was in Fraction's Iron Man run. You got to see like this rivalry between. Uh, Doc Ock and Tony Stark, like before before Ock became you know, Dr. Octopus. Like I always thought that was very interesting. I was like, you know, that that makes sense to me. Like they kind of would be in know, the same they, social circles. Kinda. Yeah, and they would be rivals. You know, like Doc Ock has a huge ego and everything. So I thought that was interesting. So, so I kind of see like 
these glimpses into his past is more into that. Like I'm, I, I hope they do more of those issues. I kind of liked how eventually Ock just came to the conclusion, you know, with with Mary Jane. He's like, yeah, this is ridiculous. Like we're just going in circles and doing the same thing over and over again is the definition of insanity. So let's just let's just stop. You know, like this, mm-hmm. yeah. I, and I also I, thought it was kind of ironic, like the character that like most of us hate, Carly Sue. Like she seems to be the only one who's like. You know, catching on that, like, hey, there's something wrong with Peter. Like, he's acting really weird and saying, like, things he shouldn't be saying. Like, like, Chris right. Town Banana Pants? Yeah, like that. <laughs> he's been saying that since the 60s, man. You don't even of know. Course. Of course. Remember that amazing uh, fantasy where he said, Crazy Town Banana Pants? Oh, yeah. Well, Uncle Ben's dead. That's Crazy Town Banana Pants. I remember the toy from the 90s, the talkie Spider-Man. You push the button, he said, you know, that's crazy town banana he's like, pants. He's like, you push the button, he's like, crazy town banana pants. Oh, what? <laughs> what? This is the burglar I didn't stop. That's crazy town banana <laughs> Yeah, he was, always, he was always saying that. What about you, Mike? Like, what, what are you, do you have anything to add to uh, the whole Superior and, and Amazing 700 type uh, event? Um, yeah, I do. Uh... Yeah, I guess uh, Justin's, like, summation of, like, it's a train wreck that's kind of, like, fun to, like, read is basically the prevailing feeling, but, you know, it's like, I don't know, I can't, the last, like, four or five years of Spider-Man have just kind of, I don't know, like, ruined it for me, basically. It's like, I can't take it that seriously that much, like, anymore, ever since, like, One More Day happened, and, like, I guess I still haven't, like, gotten over that, and, uh, I don't know, like, they're, they're, like, there's fun things, and then there's, like, think like, the whole, like, the whole, like, I don't know, the concept, it's fun, but it makes, like, everyone around Peter Parker look, like, incredibly stupid, like, you know, like, you can't tell he's, like, different, like, you know, even, like, they kind of bring it up in, like, Avenging Spider-Man, which I actually think, like, Chris Yost writes Avenging Spider-Man right now, and I think he's, like, handling, like, this superior thing a lot better than Sly is, because he doesn't even, like, address, like, the the Tinkerbell Peter Parker ghost hovering around, like, it's just, like, Ock, and I think that's just, like, a lot, like, better and more, like, I guess pure, like, you know, and honest, but, um, like, and, like, if he does address it, it's just kind of like Ock thinking, hmm, how curious, like, I feel like a, a, an urge to do the right thing, or whatever, you know, like, how curious, oh, well, you know, I right. guess I'll do it, you know, but, um, <laughs> I was gonna strangle like, that kitten, but I guess I'll go save those yeah. people. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah. But it's just, I don't know, it's like stuff where, like, he encounters, like, Rachel Gray, and he's like, oh, shit, she's a telepath, you know, if she reads me, she could, like, find out. But, like, he manages to talk his way out of that. But, like, that kind of, like, I don't know, I guess it kind of hangs like a lampshade on it, almost, where it's like, you know, like, how many, like, psychics are in, like, the, like, the, on the Avengers or in the X-Men or, like, magic people, like, Doctor Strange or, like, even, like, people, like, like, tech savvy, like, Reed Richards or Tony Stark or even people who just know Peter Parker really well and they don't, like, notice anything's different. I mean, he's talking, he's talking like a 40 or 50-year-old man, you know, it's just kind of... Just to play devil's advocate, I think they do notice, but, but depending on what Doc Ock does... Some of it, I would say Aunt May totally notices, but she's happy about Peter spending more time with her. So she's not questioning it because it's a positive 
thing in her mind at this point. I mean, I guess you could argue certain characters, maybe it's a negative thing, like, you know, but, but to a lot of them, I would think that, like, with Jonah, like, like, or any of those characters where it turns out to benefit them, that Auk is doing things in a certain way, like, I don't think, it, it'd be like, you know, I guess it's the difference between, you know, if a good friend of yours, you know, all of a sudden, like, started tearing up your bookcases, well, obviously you're going to be like, hey, what's wrong, dude? Like, why are you acting so weird? But what if your good friend, all of a sudden, who doesn't really take that much interest in your bookcases, cleaned them up, alphabetized them, and, like, made them all shiny and everything? You'd be like, hey, that's that's a little weird, but thanks. You know, like, I, I don't know if you'd, you'd investigate that as much as you would the other, you know, if it was more of a negative outcome. Aunt, Aunt May's, so. like, happy with it until Peter starts undoing her bra. <laughs> 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 oh, Peter! Uh, I gotta look out. <laughs> I, yeah, I gotta say, like, in, in, in the, the issues leading up to 700, like, Peter, like, in being in Doc Ock's body and, like, imagining Aunt May in her wedding dress and stuff, that's that's going a bit far. Like, <laughs> like I was like, okay, whoa, pull it back, slot. Like, no, no. <laughs> I don't know, like, 700, like, I don't know, was, I thought was pretty bad, just because, like, I don't know, it, I don't want to see Peter Parker, like, die alone, and, like, totally, like, on, like, no one knows he died, and, like, he's, you know, he, he died alone and scared, and the bad guy won, and I was like, that's your anniversary issue? Like, really? Well, it, like, to me, I, it seems like it's a really awful catalyst for some other story, but, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm more jaded than you guys, because to me, like you guys are talking about, like the last five years of Spider-Man have been not so good. Like I, I, to me, I'm like, shit. A Spider-Man to me hasn't been that good in, like, you know, I'm an old codger, so it feels like 20 years ago, like when I actually respected Spider-Man. You know, so it's like, I don't know. To me, I guess maybe I'm so numb to this point. I'm kind of like, well, you know what? He's gonna be back to normal by Amazing Spider-Man too. Like I'm not like. It's like I, I read the same 700 issue you guys read, and I had that same kind of, like, feeling when I read it, you know? Like, because it's one of those things where, like, it's one of those bad triumph <laughs> situations, you know, where, like, Peter Parker got triumphed, where he just got owned, like, so fucking bad that you feel sorry for him. And that's what 700 was. It's like, uh, you know, not not to be super crude, but I always compare, like, that to my feeling of... Uh, you know, the prison drama Oz, and there's this one, like, Italian mobster guy, and he's trying to, like, prove his bones and all this stuff, and what literally happens to him is they, they set him up, and the, the big black dude, Adebisi, like, rapes him, butt rapes him in the kitchen. And I'm just like, when you watch that, you're just like, oh my fucking God. Like, <laughs> you know, like, you're just like, ugh. You know, if you had any kind of identification with that character, immediately you're like, no, I don't identify with that dude. I totally don't identify with him anymore. You know, like, because you're just like so... And you're like, everybody identifies with Peter Parker. And then all of a sudden you're, like, identifying with him. And then he totally gets butt-raped in the fucking kitchen. You know, and you're just like, oh, like, that makes me feel, like, sick to my stomach. You know, and that's probably what most people's reactions are. But then, I guess, out of that comes, you know, this story where you're like, oh, you know, there's some interesting twists to seeing how Auk handles being Spider-Man and how, you know, you know, you know he, he kind of does his tech angle and how he, you know, addresses ha saving the hostages of massacre first, you know, the, the, the ones that are remotely, you know, secured away before he tackles the guy himself, like preemptively, you know, 
securing his victory kind of like in that situation and then one thing i'm kind of looking forward to at least when i when i saw the panel and i was going to ask you guys because i don't kind of know the current continuity status of norman osborne but when i saw the green goblin show up at the end of that one issue and it was like hey i know all of uh, spider-man's secrets like i'm gonna hook you guys up and we're gonna fuck your shit up i was like oh that's gonna be kind of interesting to see ox spider-man fight you know, Green Goblin, because, you know, in, in that sense, at least it puts a new spin on some of these classic confrontations. You know, you get to yeah. sort of relive or re-experience <clears throat> things with a, you know, a new angle or a new twist on it. So, I mean, in that the thought sense... thought I had about that was, um, does this Green Goblin know, you know, all Peter Parker's old tricks and all that? Or, you know, is Doc Ock Spider-Man, like, totally got to throw him a curveball and his Green yeah, Goblin yeah. might get, like, pwned? Yeah, it, it kind of creates a little mystery, a little unknown, you know, <laughs> in, instead of kind of going, oh, ho-hum, here's another Green Goblin Spider-Man fight. Like, who cares? We've seen this, like, 20 times before. Like, this is something where you could be like, hmm, I wonder how this is going to go down exactly, you know? So. Also, well, like, Osborne doesn't even know Peter Parker is Spider-Man anymore, thanks to, like, the stupid, you know, one more day time, uh, memory erase or whatever. So, you know, it's kind of, I, I like, I don't know how this is going to work, but, you know, I, it might be interesting, yeah, like you said, Derek. Yeah, no, I'm just offering alternatives, you know. I was going to say, I think we're all going to feel really funny, I mean, really stupid in, like, a year, when Peter Parker busts out of his own body and he's Peter Parker again. <laughs> no, 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 I think, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I mean, something like that's going to happen. The ghost is going to kick Doc Ock out of his personality or something or other. You know, some doohickey Reed Richards makes or Doctor Strange does a whammy on him or whatever the, the goofy-ass explanation is. Like, I'm sure that's what's going to happen right before Amazing Spider-Man 2 comes out. I mean... No, I was going to address one other thing. Yeah, like Justin mentioned, like, the death of uh, Ashley Kafka really kind of upset me, just because, I don't know, it was really, like, offhand, and just because, like, I'm like, come on, I mean, she she survived Carnage how many times, and and then, like, stupid, like, Carnage diet light kills her? Come on, you know, I was just like, oh, man. Well, I, and think, she's like, I, think, I think that, in terms of, of having an impact on you know, the audience, like, if it was just some random bunch of, I mean, I, I don't mean this to sound heartless, but it's like, to me, him mowing down the whole burger barn or whatever, like, that doesn't have as much emotional impact as a long-term character like Ashley Kafka does, so if you actually see, you know, Spider-Man, you know, shoot the guy in the head, or whatever, then it's like, well, you know what, he killed Ashley Kafka, you know, like, I don't know, to me, it just, it, it, it sort of helps with, uh, with uh, his side of things, at least, you know, like, I, I don't know if that's leaning too far towards one, you know, if it's, if it's, uh, you know, an, an imbalanced, you know, scale, but I, I think at least, you know, to me, it's better than, you know, it's like if Lois Lane gets killed fighting somebody, you know, while the elite are, you know, calling out Superman, that's totally different than if a bunch of random bystanders die, you know, like... I mean, it has a different spin yeah, on the story, you know, and, and I, I, I just kind of took it that way, that it's like, hey, this is this is serious stuff. Like, he's accessing memories and kind of going, oh, she was his friend. Like, this is kind of ridiculous. I should, you know, I should just kill this fucking guy now, you know, because this, mm -hmm. this is just beyond stupid, you know. I guess so. 
but no, no, no. I understand. Like, like I, yeah. See, that's the thing. I, I, I get, I get the, uh, I get the, the reasoning behind it, but it's like you know, emotionally, I'm just kind of like, oh man, I liked her. No, no, no. That's you that's. Know? I think that's the point. You know, it's like I don't begrudge you for going. Ah, oh, that sucks. They killed off my. Because it's like I think if it was like one of my favorite characters, I'd be you know probably grumpy about it too. You know, but you know, it's like that's you know, I guess just. You know, it sucks that, like, I guess what you're saying is, but, I mean, would you have felt better if it was, like, Green Goblin or Carnage or somebody that killed her, or would you just not want her dead? I would probably feel better if it was, like, someone, like, you know, yeah, like, notable that killed her. Like, I thought, like, when Marla Jameson died, like, Smythe killed her, and I was like, okay, well, that makes a lot of sense, because, you know, she was she was involved with the Spider Slayers and all that, and Smythe, like, hates Jameson, and I think there's, like, a, a sort of emotional payoff for that, but, you know, Massacre is just, like, like I said, he's just, he's, like, He's got like less, I don't know, cred than Carnage does, and that's saying something. So, but then I guess that also makes him easily expendable for for what happened to him too. Like depending on how you look at the the, the story they're crafting, you know, it's like you, uh, obviously I guess they can't shoot Green Goblin in the head, but they can shoot Masker in the head and not have as many repercussions in terms of uh, you know underoos and. Uh, you I, know, I should ask you. Well, I should ask you guys, do you think he really killed him? Because they just show the muzzle flash, and then they cut to, like, the next page, and, like, the police don't, like... The police only... Like, the, the news report only says, like, oh, Spider-Man neutralized the, 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 uh, the killer or whatever. That's, and, that's, like, that's what that means. I mean... I don't know. To me, I'm like neutralized means he's fucking dead. Like, yeah. and, and and neutralized is the polite way of of basically. To me, that the way they worded that, they didn't say he murdered him, which means the police are all on his side. They said he neutralized him, which means they're like. To me, it means like Auk has a lot more acceptance than Peter Parker ever did. I mean, as Spider-Man, as as infuriating as that could be for certain, like, fans and readers, it's like, however he handled that, like, everybody was totally, like, it's basically, like, the difference between somebody going, ah, I can't believe you did that, I fucking hate you, and they shoot him, and then everybody in the background is, like, gasping in horror that Spider-Man did it, like, they're supposedly, quote-unquote, supposed to. I think all these other people were like, fucking A, good, shoot that guy in the head. You know, and then and, and basically they're like, you know what, don't worry about it. Like, we got your back. Like, you've got a hundred witnesses here that said he was going to fucking shoot all of us. So you did it in self-defense and, and you know, we're not going to say anything about it, basically. You know, and that's kind of how I took I, that scene, you know. But I, uh, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure, it, like, I, I could take it straight, too. But to me, it just seemed very evasive. Like, like it, it could be, like, next issue, it could be taken back or something. Oh, okay. I think it leaves them wiggle room. If they want to, like, you know, make something of it down the line. But I agree with Derek. I mean, if you watch a news report or something like that, I mean, they do use the word neutralized when, like, a gunman or whatever is taken out. No, no, I get that. I'm just saying, like, the way it read to me is it just seems like, I don't know, they like, a little like there was no there was no reaction from, like, Ghost Peter or anything, you know, you figure would be, like, horrified that he, like, someone used his hands to do that or something, and I don't know, it just seemed, like, really, really, like, evasive, and I don't know, maybe next issue, like, they'll deal with those repercussions. Yeah, yeah, like, no, 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 I, I, yeah, I guess we'll see. I, my only other comment is, um, I love Ryan Stegman's art, but I'm sad that this book, like, stole him away from Scarlet Spider, yeah. so... <laughs> 
I wanted to say I really like seeing Doc Ock like pwn the new Sinister Six. That was funny. Um, my favorite like Doc Ock and Spidey moment actually happened in, I think it was uh, Hickman's Avengers number five or maybe it was six, where at the Avengers uh, mansion. He stole Cannonball's leftovers from the fridge that had his name right on them. And, like, Spidey and Cannonball and Sunspot got into this big argument about stealing each other's food. (laughs) And Spidey Hawk was just acting like a huge dick about it. (laughs) What what were you going to say before about Norman Osborn, Justin? I think you were going to say something about that. Oh, well, last time we saw him, he was, like, the giant absorbing... Out of control, purple Hulk thing. Yeah, so, yeah. Because so, uh, <laughs> but wasn't he wasn't he incarcerated after that? Yeah. Um. Because like, they right, they had those Avengers Academy issues, like where the the kids tried to take him out, right? Like so that it wasn't that after the purple Hulk thing. I thought he dissolved at the end of that purple Hulk story, didn't he? Uh, like, yeah. They, they, like his his adaptoid body like kind of dissolved, like and then like they have some away line at the end where it's like you know Norman is like broken like body and mind and we have him like under you know in a hospital or something now so but um I was gonna say like the storyline right before the seven like the lead up to 700 like there's just a single page scene of where they're like uh it shows like an empty hospital bed that says Norman Osborne on it and like the windows open so it's like oh he must have woken up and like just jumped out the window <laughs> so well i i'm just glad he's going to go back to being a Spider-Man villain and not like a like wreck the Marvel universe villain because that like i never thought that was a good idea at all i'm like he's Norman Osborne what no, this is dumb. Willem Dafoe destroys the Marvel universe. <laughs> cool. So I guess I guess we all kind of had our our two cents on uh, Amazing Seven Hundred and the Superior Spider Man. Uh, and then I guess last for the evening tonight is going to be uh, Mr. Tony Jackson. And uh, just just real quick, since this podcast is probably going to air before uh, Tony's official return podcast. Um, I'm just going to re-welcome Tony back into the fan holes fold, because I guess this will probably be the first podcast that uh, people will have been, I guess people will be hearing you for the first time and everything. So it's good to have you back, man. It's good hey, to be Tony. back. Yay! It's good to be back for the third time. <laughs> so uh, I, I guess uh, you're doing uh, Savage Wolverine, uh, which is by Frank Cho. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, he's actually the writer and artist on this. Um, I knew he was an artist, obviously, but I did not know he was writing. So, uh, uh, I just want to like... say I I did not assign this to torture you in any way. <laughs> <laughs> well, long-time uh, listeners to the podcast will know my uh, intense love of Wolverine. Um, <laughs> By all of us. Yes. Uh, well, I, I mean, it's, it, and, and we've all kind of agreed it's not so much who Wolverine is as a character. It's just what they do to him and how overexposed he is and all that good stuff. You know, it's, it's not really the character's fault. He's not a bad character, but yeah. dear Lord. But, I mean, it's like, as a comic reader, my favorite Wolverine moment from the past ten years is, like, in Children's Crusade when, like, Wonder Man knocked him through a wall. So that kind of <laughs> speaks volumes, I think. Yeah, it's much more fun seeing Wolverine get owned instead of him doing something cool. Uh, <laughs> um, this one is interesting. Uh, when... Justin assigned it to me. I thought, like, Savage Wolverine, oh, okay, so we're back to the, like, you know, oh. the best there is and what I do and what I do is killing people in horrible, horrible, brutal ways. And uh, not really. Uh, basically, we start off uh, with S.H.I.E.L.D. 
oddly enough. And they're booking it over to Savage Land, doing like this little research project, trying to find out some stuff. Uh, and along with them is Sh- uh, Shauna the She-Devil, which was kind of a weird surprise, <laughs> uh, working with S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, interesting note, even though S.H.I.E.L.D. has very high-tech uniforms, Shauna still prefers to wear a leopard print bikini and a uh, bottom, so, you know. Well, and if I was her, I would too. She has the body <laughs> for it, and Frank Cho is drawing her, so... <laughs> Well, I guess I guess um, not that not that I didn't have the same thought, but uh, just arguing devil's advocate, I guess she is kind of the tour guide, so it's more like the native is guiding the techie shield guys around this unexplored island, you know. So she's yeah. supposed to be the the preeminent expert, I suppose. Other yeah, than she's not really with like shield, she's just himself, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, lo and behold. Uh, something mysterious happens, and, uh, the S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, aircraft crashes. Um, and here's, like, probably the weirdest thing. Suddenly, we pretty much cut to Wolverine, who's waking up in a field. Um, I'm sure that's happened to him many times before, but, um, he really doesn't seem to have a reason for being there at first. He just kind of wakes up, and, of course, being a savage land, slash Jurassic Park, he's attacked by a velociraptor in two seconds. Uh, kills him pretty easily, and starts to go about his merry way, trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Um, you know, exposition, exposition. At some point, him and Shauna do uh, manage to uh, find each other. Shauna, hey, talking about getting on, Shauna sticking him with her spear right through, like, one of his kidneys. Uh, nice little moment. He's like, Shauna! She's like, ah! <laughs> Is that how you say hi in the savage land? Um, they reunite. Uh, she apologizes for trying to kill him. And they're pretty much trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, there's some hanky-panky going on in the world. Uh, at this moment, though, the uh, Reapers, who were called upon by the natives earlier to uh, take care of uh, the Shields guys, attack. And Wolverine, thinking he's doing the right thing, totally fucks up Shauna's game plan and ends up getting yanked up by a giant, like, kind of pterodactyl slash human. It's... He looks like a pterodactyl, but they talk. Kind of like, uh, what's his name? Sauron from uh, Savage Land, uh, Lycos. And next thing you know, Wolverine's getting dropped and about to fall to his death. Yeah, we know it's not going to happen, but anyway. He even says, oh, cripe, this is going to hurt. It says cripes, which is really weird. Overall, it's a really light read. It took me maybe five, six minutes, really, to read it all. Um, there's, like, maybe two or three pages of, like, you know... Exposition, you know, like what's Shield doing here? We got to find out what's going on. Why are they researching this? Yada yada yada. Uh, it wasn't bad. I mean, I, I mean, I totally wanted to read this with an open set of eyes, you know, not be the jaded, you know, oh god, it's Wolverine. And it's very much kind of a. It really reminds me of something that might have been at one point maybe a DTV kind of script. Because it's very specialized, you know. Wolverine's in the Savage Land. He's teaming up with Shauna. You know, it's a very you know, centric book, because I assume the Savage Land is going to play a part for a while since the title was Savage Wolverine. I didn't hate it. I mean, that's a good thing. Did I like it? I guess the best way to put it is if I was, like, stuck on a desert island and all I had was the entire run of the series, how many ever issues it actually eventually becomes, yeah, I'd read it. I wouldn't be like, oh, God, I don't want to read this. Fuck that. I would probably, yeah, probably read the whole series and be, you know, whatever. Now, given the choice of buying it 
in normal everyday life, probably not going to pick it up just because Wolverine doesn't interest me. But I, I've read a lot more torturous Wolverine stories. The only thing I want to know is how Wolverine got Savage Land, which I assume is part of the mystery, and we'll we'll figure that out in future episodes. But all in all, it's not a bad book. I don't think it's you know superb and something everybody should read, but yeah, it's, it's it is what it is. It's a it's a I guess you would say a fun little romp, just something to kind of kill a few minutes of your day with. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. Like, um, my reason for reading it in the first place was just because Shauna was like a supporting character, and um, you know I like Cho's previous. Like he did like a Shannon the She Devil mini series a couple years ago that I really liked. So I was like, okay, well, I guess if he's gonna write a Wolverine book with her as a guest star. Um, well, I guess I'll have to read it. I'm kind of wondering, like, you know, I'm kind of like telling him, like, how did Wolverine get in the Savage Land? And I'm also wondering, like, well, where's Kazar at? Because Kazar is one of my favorite, like, I don't know, sea yeah, heroes. That kind of threw me, too, because usually when the X-Men go to the Savage Land, they usually meet up with Kazar and Zabu and not Shauna, you know? I'm guessing the irony escapes you. Nothing escapes Kazar. Well, it seems like, like this particular setup seems to be like Shauna is helping the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents investigate this uncharted island by the Savage Land. Do you know what I mean? So to me, it's like, it's not even, it's not even, to me, it's not even like the Savage Land per se. So it's basically their MacGuffin excuse of why you're not seeing Kazar and why there's like creatures in the Savage Land, like those mermen that you don't normally see, because it's like, oh, this is totally different, because we haven't explored it, and we haven't been there before. Actually, um, that was kind of funny, though. I did like that little explanation by Shauna, where pretty much every single fucking thing the S.H.I.E.L.D. guys do to try to get out of there is, like, just ends horribly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it's like, basically, they all try to escape this little island and they all get fucked up doing it or whatever. I was going to ask Justin, did Frank Cho write that Shauna miniseries that you were just talking about? I believe so, yeah. Okay. I don't know, like, I just, maybe it's just me, my pet peeve with, like, the writer artists or whatever. I just, you know, the nicest way I can put it is I feel like a lot of these guys jump into being writer artists when they're just really good artists and they don't seem to be seasoned enough, I guess, you know, like I, I, I just like, I don't know what the problem is of getting like a co-writer or something other than maybe money or something, you know, like having to pay another guy, you know, but it's like, I don't know. I, I was kind of indifferent to the story, you know, like I was just kind of like, yeah, whatever. Like I I'm kind of more so than Tony, like I, I don't hate it, but I mean, I don't know. I just didn't feel any attachment to anybody. It's, it's like they tried to set up Shauna and Wolverine as having some kind of, uh, you know, 48 hours bickering relationship. But I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't get it. It's like she's like this, you know, big boob chick and he's like this gruffy midget guy or whatever. But like, I don't I don't know. I just don't I, I don't see where they're going with that. It's like they're going to have some kind of brotherly, sisterly, you know, uh, kind of. You well, know, there, there's, there's a couple of antagonism times where, or something, you know, like I was just like, OK, there's a couple of times where Wolverine doesn't really sound like Wolverine, too. Like there's a couple of times where it's like uh, the old knucklehead bulb, you know, slice and dice, whatever. There's a couple of word balloons where you're just like, that really could be anybody. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or like, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But like there, there was this one odd line where he's like, Mama Logan didn't raise no idiots or whatever the line was, something like that. And I'm just kind of like. 
isn't Mama Logan like hasn't Mama Logan been dead for like hundreds of years? Like didn't he even know Mama Logan? Like what, <laughs> didn't Mama Logan die in childbirth or something? And her name wasn't even Logan. Yeah, Mama Howlett. Yeah. Her name was Howlett. Like I just, I don't know. Like I know this is like that's like totally like like nitpicky, but I was like, you know, to me that's like those those signs of like being unseasoned where you're like, didn't anybody think about this? Couldn't an editor have been like, hey, maybe you should like tweak this? You know, it's like, you know, it just seemed like some people were like asleep at the wheel or whatever. I, the only thing I was kind of slightly interested in, which Tony didn't mention, was uh, uh, I guess Amadeus Cho shows up. And I was kind of like, oh, I wonder what that's all about. And he looks kind of older than he normally looks. So I don't know if he's like Nightwing age now all of a sudden or what. But uh, that kind of intrigued me a little bit. But that was about it. Did anybody have any thoughts on Amadeus or anything? Or? That's where he ended up? Oh, too bad. <laughs> like, he can't, he can't even be in, like, a Hulk book or something anymore? I mean, I well... I've- yeah. I, I'm kind of hopeful that like Scar will show up because they there was this Scar King of the Savage Land miniseries uh, maybe like two years ago. Like it was a really fun read. So like you know, Dark Avengers is getting canceled. So like maybe Scar will show up because like the people from you know Scar's planet or whatever like they settled in the Savage Land and he teamed up with Kazar and Shauna and like they met Devil Dinosaur and Moon Boy and like a whole bunch of weird people so hopefully like some of these characters will get woven in at some point so i guess unless uh, anybody has any other comments on the savage wolverine i guess we can move on to the awesome thing of the week so i guess i'll, I'll start in reverse and we'll go with uh brian i guess and we'll see uh, uh what his awesome thing of the week was Alrighty, uh, my awesome thing of the week was i got a couple of those kabea model kits um they're Somewhat popular, I suppose. They're like uh, gum candy toys that were released originally in Japan. You can pick them up somewhat cheaply, um, usually anywhere from, like, say, 7 to $15 for a set. Um, lately, they've been releasing, like, three packs of them. I don't know if that's the standard, but uh, those are the ones I was interested in because uh, not too long ago they did Fort Max, which I know a lot of people got because... They can't get the real Fort Max, Justin. <coughs> um, <laughs> but uh, the one I was actually interested in was the Death Zara set. So I got that, and um, I got it a couple days ago in the mail, but I've been pretty busy. So I actually just put them together today. And before I received them, I was kind of wondering how, how complicated it might be. And you know, I was assuming the instructions would be in Japanese and that I might have a hard time putting them together. But once I got it, it's actually pretty simple. Surprisingly, for how simple the model set is, they make pretty cool little figures, and they can actually transform. So it takes maybe 15 to 20 minutes to put one together, um, a little bit longer once you put the stickers on. But um, they're definitely cool little toys. They stand maybe like three or four inches tall or so. So I I wish they were a little bit bigger, but I mean, um, for the price, I was pretty happy with what I got. Uh, So far, I've only put together Death Zars and Hot's. Um, Hotspot, but Hotspot's probably my favorite. But yeah, I really liked them. Does Hotspot like seem to have possibly any connection points where they might like make Defensor later, or no way? He does actually, and um, you get like the Defensor head and like the chest pieces to Defensor, um, and even the box art shows him like m- merging with like other figures. But I don't know what the other figures are from. So oh, they're not I, the protective bots? 
What? Well, they are the protective bots, but I have no idea what line they're from. Oh, okay. So they're, you know, Kabea gum toys that you can buy, but I haven't heard much about it, so I was going to try to research it. But, um, you know, Defense Source, like, base mode? Like, the model can even do that, too, so that's kind of cool, cool. too. Neat. Cool, that sounds awesome. Um, I guess since Tony's already talking, we'll go ahead and ask him what his uh, awesome thing of the week is. Yeah, my cool thing this week, or awesome thing, I should say. i got to get it right. I, yeah, I'm i going to go pretty much, may sound kind of boring, but I picked up a uh, blaster this week from uh, the fall of Cybertron, I guess, subline of Generations, which is subline of Classic, whatever. Uh, <laughs> he's a Voyager-sized robot. Um, he basically shares the same mold as Soundwave with a few tweaks and... Uh, little different remolds, and of course he's repainted in a totally different color scheme to match uh, G1 uh, Blaster. Uh, noticeable differences are his chest compartment is, of course, more like the G1 Blaster with a kind of triangle window, and uh, he's actually got the tape deck buttons on the bottom instead of the uh, grill like Soundwave. Also, he also has a blaster head instead of Soundwave head. Um, and I may seem like a pretty obvious choice, but considering the Cybertron figure that got turned into Blaster, <laughs> and you never know. Uh, probably one of my favorite things is that he does come with a gun that looks a lot like his original G1 gun. Um, electrostatic discharge rifle or something like that. Uh, kind of a nice touch. It's nice that they didn't just give him Soundways weapons. Uh, I've really been very impressed with the fact that even though Hasbro has kind of dropped the ball on certain things, They've really kind of stepped up on their remolding and repaints. They've they've been really good about putting new parts on there and not just doing faces and changing weapons and stuff. It, it's just a nice touch. It actually makes you feel like you're buying a totally different toy instead of just like, oh, my Ultra Magnus is just a white Optimus Prime. Yay. <laughs> so I, I was very happy with that. Uh, again, uh, in a different twist, unlike the uh, bird version of the... Uh, at a disc that Soundwave comes with. He comes with a uh, laser beak. Blaster comes with uh, Steeljaw, which is a lion uh, from G1 as well. And he obviously turns into a data disc. The data disc gimmick, I'm not really huge on. The, the figures are kind of... Uh, I can't really even describe the aesthetic. They're not bad. They're sort of cruddy. But, yeah. They're, t- they're really tiny. Like I saw some like in the store and I couldn't like make myself buy it. I was like, man, those are for ten bucks. Those are really small. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if Bla- let me let me let's put it this way: if Blaster didn't come with Steeljaw, it really wouldn't have fed the buying purchase. <laughs> I didn't go like, ooh, Steeljaw, yeah. But uh, as it is, it doesn't suck completely because there is an auto morph kind of gimmick where you push the back of Blaster's back, and the uh, tape deck opens in the front and Steeljaw actually pops out. He's supposed to auto-transform, not so much, but again, I don't really care about Steeljaw, so it doesn't affect my opinion of the toy. I think he's a great uh, homage, and if you really haven't had a chance to get like the various versions from third-party licenses or even the uh, USB hub blaster that was released a couple years ago, this is a great figure to put on your like classic shelf to kind of have him fit in with all your classic figures, so uh, I recommend him. I think he's pretty cool. Has no, no, who, no, who does care about Steel Jaw? Steel Jaw. Steel Jaw. <laughs> Has anyone seen the like Autobot two pack of Data Disc yet? I haven't. No. Uh, no. All, all I saw was like Frenzy and Rat Bat. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm. I don't know. 
there's a part of me that kind of wants them because when am I ever going to get another Eject or Rewind or Ramhorn? But at the same time, do I want shitty versions of them, you know? But, you know, like I said, notwithstanding, the base figure blaster is uh, well worth the money. Oh, and he's huge. He's actually, for the size thing, uh, with uh, classic, I mean, uh, with uh, current Hasbro figures, he's actually taller than Jetfire from the Classics line. But yeah, that's my awesome thing. I'm done. Cool. Cool. So uh, I guess I'm I'm going down back in reverse. So I'm on uh, Justin. So what is your awesome thing of the week, Justin? Um, I've been watching the late '90s series Millennium, and uh, if you're not familiar with it, it's uh, a show from the same people of uh, X Files. It's created by Chris Carter, and while it's by the same people, it's a different show, you know, Exiles is like paranormal and aliens and stuff every week. Um, Millennium is more like bizarre and brutal crimes being investigated. Um, at least for like the first two seasons, like the third season they started to do like more like the the third season it was like it turned into something more similar to the X-Files because like the main character is like working with the FBI and he's investigating weird stuff and sometimes it involves, you know, demons or, or like there's this reoccurring character, it's like she's an evil woman and sometimes it's like she looks like a man or a snake or something, you're not really sure. <laughs> um but like I, I used to watch it when it was originally on and uh like I always thought it was really good but sadly it only lasted three seasons. But uh like I've I've been reading I've been enjoying like rediscovering some of these episodes like some of them I remember watching and some of them I'm like I don't remember this this is, this is really weird and there's been some interesting guest stars like I watched an episode last night that had uh, James Marsters from you know Buffy and Angel you know Spike like he was like this crazy like ex-military guy who kidnapped this girl and was like ranting and raving about military conspiracies so like it was really interesting to see him like you know do something different wasn't basically the whole plot like it was done in the late nineties, like pretty much everybody's going crazy because the year two thousand is coming and stuff like that. Yeah, like for the for the first two seasons they were investigating things that like for the most part had some kind of connection to like, you know, the you know end of the world, you know, the new millennium and you know, stuff like that and there was there were a lot of like uh you know, spiritual and religious overtones to it too. Like I always thought it was really interesting. Did did they have a crossover between X Files and Millennium? They did. Um, I remember like vaguely, like I never saw the episodes, but I like kept remembering hearing about it, and I never ended up like watching it. Um, after its third season, Millennium was canceled, and like a lot of its plot lines were just kind of left dangling. So they did like an episode in the X Files seventh season that was supposed to wrap it up, and it was. If you were a fan of Millennium, it's like it's kind of a disappointing thing because it's like most of those characters, like you know Frank Black and his daughter, they're just kind of like shoved into the X Files universe, which is weird because it's like on an episode of Millennium, you can hear an episode of X Files playing in the background. So it's like, <laughs> wait, is this like, oh my head's exploding? If you think Meta about fiction. it, but, yeah. It's like it's like when uh, the Adam West Batman TV show was playing in the background on the Green Hornet, but then later the Green Hornet teams up with <laughs> Batman, and you're like, exactly. what? Is Frank West or Frank Black actually in the show, or is it just a character named Frank Black? Frank it's, Black it's, is a character played by uh, Lance Hendrickson, yes, Hendrickson. who you know better know is probably Bishop from Aliens. 
Yes. Good actor. Really good actor. Yeah. Yeah, I know my, my dad likes the X-Files and Millennium and stuff, so, uh, you know, some of the, the Christmas presents I've given him over the years are like, you know, I'd go and get the, you know, the big sets of, like, all the seasons or whatever. So I remember tracking down that Millennium one that had, you know, I think it was, like, all three seasons in a plastic wrap or whatever and stuff. So I remember buying that, like, you know, probably uh, maybe three or four years ago or something like that as a Christmas present. So, uh, Mike, what is your awesome thing of the week? Uh, much like Tony and Brian, I have a toy. Um, and much like them, it's a robot. But unlike them, it's not Transformers. It's a Gundam. Legasp! What the hell's a Gundam? Yeah. Ain't never heard of that <laughs> stuff. Go away. No, but um, I got a robot... Uh, Damashi uh, Gundam Epion in the mail Woo-hoo. the other day, and yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, you know, it, it, I, I, I'm always like uh, the the, uh, the benchmark for a good like toy usually for me is can it do like everything you can see it do like in the cartoon or in the comic and stuff, and like Epion can do that. So like that's like a really like that's an automatic plus like a hundred and something points for it. So like, you know, it can do like any like kind of, it's really super poseable and uh, it can, you know, transform into that like really weird, like I never, like I always have this thing with Epion where I was like, man, like uh, not until like, like really recently did I realize that his like jet, his quote unquote jet mode is, is supposed to be like a two headed dragon. But like, I, I just thought it was like some like retarded guy, like stuck doing a back, or something, <laughs> but like then I noticed I was like, oh wait, because like the little whip like hangs off the end, and his two legs like fold over his head, and like his feet are supposed to be dragon heads, and I was like, oh okay, I get it. It's supposed to be a two-headed dragon, but like I don't know, but that 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 mode looks cool. Um, like the wing, I was gonna say, I was like, man, the wings like in the show look like one piece, but the toy like they're like they have like like four pieces of articulation a piece like the wings can like fold out and do all these crazy like like uh uh, modes and stuff and you know he comes with like a, a standard like beam saber and then he comes with like a giant like beam saber that's like twice his size so he can like cut space stations in half <laughs> and stuff so like yeah so I'm, I'm really happy like i really love this the the robot uh, Damashi line, and uh, this is yet another. It, it's funny though, like all the the ones from Wing, I I, I can tell like um, it seems like like the, they must have different like people working on different like franchises in that like as far as Gundam goes and as far as that toy line goes because all the ones I have from Wing are like great like I, I love the ones from Wing they're, they're all like really perfect but then like the ones they have from Seed are really like cheap feeling and like they don't have as much articulation and then like you know the ones from like Double O are sort of like middle of the ground or middle middle like of the road and and then like the ones from like Unicorn and like UC are usually pretty good too. But I'm like these these they're all like very different. But it it just seems like all the ones from Wing are like really really good and like they have like the best production team like working on them. So like whenever there's a, a, a suit from Wing, I'm like oh man I got to pick that one up because it's probably gonna be good. So uh, what what scale are those? They're about um a. A little smaller than no, actually. Well, considering what deluxes are yeah, now, nowadays, but, yeah, yeah. like 
they're about the size of a deluxe. I mean, I mean, they're still pretty expensive because they're imports, obviously. But you know, they're also very articulated, and they come with tons of accessories and you know stuff like that. So you you get you get the bang for your buck usually. So, cool. but yeah, cool. I, I'm, well, I'm, a, I'm a Gundam like kind of like not noob. I do know about Gundam, but even I know who Epion is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The red devil looking guy, yeah. So uh speaking of Gundam and anime mechs, uh my awesome thing of the week is gonna be a anime mecha show that I've been watching recently. Um it's called Aquarion and um I've been watching it on the Shorts H D channel and uh I just started T or D V Ring uh you know, all the episodes or whatever. And so I guess I'm I'm probably like maybe a fourth of the way through the show, but uh, I I think it's pretty entertaining. I mean, it seems to have bits and pieces of everything, you know, for like mech fans or whatever. You know, it's kind of like a little you know homage to like the old super robot animes and stuff. But it kind of reminds me, you know, a little bit of it's kind of like a dash of Evangelion and like uh, you know a little bit of Gundam and a little bit of uh, you know I guess I'd say. Um, you know, uh, what do you call it? Um, why can't I think of it? Um, Macross? No, the the show that Gurren Lagann, you know, like, things uh, like that. You know, like, like it, it just seems to have, like, things like those, uh, you know, you know, those kind of similar concepts and stuff. I, I, I don't think it's quite as blue cupcake-y as Evangelion. Like, it doesn't get quite that out there. But there are, there are moments, you know. It does have, like, moments where you're like, oh, uh, you know, like it's kind of about reincarnation and past lives and that kind of idea that the the kids now that are piloting these mech suits were you know basically you know the super life form you know twelve thousand years ago or whatever so it's like they're kind of like supposed to be the reincarnated spirits of those old kind of uh, you know fighters or what have you and stuff like that so there's there's a little element of kind of you know funniness that happens here and there and you know there's there's some moments where you're like oh that girl just fell over and i can see her panties that was kind of unnecessary but you know like you know some goofy shit like that but uh for the most part like i'm i'm pretty much entertained by the whole thing so far so i'm i'm kind of enjoying it and uh it, the dub is by funimation and so that's another plus for watching stuff for me on the uh the shorts hd network or whatever is that you know they they have apparently the the rights to air a bunch of funimation stuff and it's all dubbed and not subtitled, so I enjoy watching the dubs. So that's another reason why it's like an awesome thing for me or whatever. But uh, you know, if you like mech stuff, I, you know, I think somebody like Mike would probably enjoy it. You know, at least yeah, because it seems like it's a you know, it's not like a big time commitment either. It seems to be like twenty six episodes, and I guess maybe there's like a a sequel series that's probably the same length or something like that. So anyway, uh, so I guess that wraps up our. Uh, Marvel Now podcast. Uh, you know, if if you were interested in any of those titles, uh, you know, go ahead and check those out. You can get them, you know, in comic shops everywhere, or uh, you can get the, uh, you know, the Comicsology digital downloads and all that kind of. Um, I'm sure there'll be some trades coming coming your way pretty soon, or maybe already by the time this airs. Um, so yeah, I guess that wraps us up for uh, this week's podcast. Uh, but before we go. I just want to mention we did get an email, a shout-out from our number one fan, uh, Tom Spielman, um, and uh, he actually left us a comment on uh, episode 64, uh, Rachel Ghoul, Don't Shiv, where we talked about the, uh, 
the Dark Knight Returns direct-to-video part one and part two. Um, he just says, hey, guys, just wanted to say I really, really like this episode. I'll be sure to check out these movies out. And also, as much as I like Bruce Tim, he does favor Batman, no question. So anyway, uh, it's nice to hear from Tom. Uh, you can check out some of Tom's musings over at uh, Tom Tificate over on WordPress. He's got a lot of cool blogs where he talks about Star Trek and various other topics he's interested in, comics and TV shows and different things like that, anime. So uh, check that out. And uh, until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, signing off. This is Brian Breakdown. Mike Thunderwing. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck. And Tony Chainclaw, lounging in my Savage Land summer home. First, now, exclamation mark. And I don't care if Spider-Man's a clone. Stop spending all our cash on back issues of the Flash. Or I swear to God you're gonna spend your twilight years alone. Brian. 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 <laughs> Penny, Penny, Penny. Damn it. Was the mute button on? No, we can't hear you at all. Hmm. Now you sound like a muted Cylon, Brian. He's a minigun. (laughs) He does kind of sound like a minigun. What is it? What is it, Leader One? <laughs> this is Brian signing off. Peace. <laughs> we'll just use that just in case. Flawless. You sounded just like him. <laughs> I couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> this is Brian Breakdown. I'm super lame. <laughs> this is Brian. I totally don't have anything that Justin would be jealous of. I was just bullshitting. Peace. <laughs> See, I'm too low. Derek's too high. I think Justin is probably the closest. Hey, this is Brian. Signing off. Peace.